Welcome back to Bible Love. We are in for a treat today. One of the times when it's someone that both Mary Balfour and I know ahead of time. Doesn't happen often, but we get it today. And with this, as will become evident during our conversation, we decided our prayer would be the Collect for Families from the Book of Common Prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who sets the solitary in families, we commend to your continual care the homes in which your people dwell. Put far from them, we beseech thee every root of bitterness, the desire of vainglory, and the pride of life. Fill them with faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness. Knit together in constant affection those who in holy wedlock have been made one flesh. Turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents. And so enkindle fervent charity among us all, that we may evermore be kindly affectioned one to another. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is like a super exciting note for me in a lot of reasons because the two people that are on this call with me, they're both in Texas, like right down the street from each other, right? In Fort Worth. And I'm like, it's raining in South Carolina. I wish I was in Texas today. But joining us is the Reverend Allison Sandlin Lyles. And Allison has a really special place in my heart because when I was going through um, the discernment, period to become a priest. Allison was my shepherd and she was like the first priest that I had ever met that like looked like me and sounded like me and acted like me and was my age. And like, we've always had that. Um, um, just like I looked up to her. I wanted to be like Allison and I still do. I still do. Uh, (laughs) Allison, let me just tell you a little bit about her. She is um, the priest in charge at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church. What what town in Texas is that? It's in in Hearst. It's close to the DFW airport. Um, But close to Allen, too, right down the street. Um, She served as the executive director of the Episcopal Peace Fellowship um, and now is also the editor of Grow Christians, which we will talk about, I hope, a lot today. Um, so Allison and Alan are close to each other and have known each other a long time, but I've also known Allison for a long time, and we're just grateful you're here to share. And today is one of those times when we finished Deuteronomy last week, we're going to start Joshua next week. And so what we try to do in between is talk about scripture in general and how it affects our lives. And um, we thought Allison would be a great guest to have for a lot of reasons um, because of all the different things that she's done in her life. But she's also a mom and a wife to another um, clergy person. And so you have an interesting family dynamic. And I I, kind of want to start with that, Allison. Like, where do you see scripture kind of popping up in your household every day and then on a larger scale with Grow Christians and, um, you know, trying to get that out there for families in general. So welcome and let's talk about that. Thanks. I'm so glad to be here. And I love that you said that I sound like you as if anybody could sound like Mary Balfour. (laughs) Um, I, yeah, I feel like I spent the first few years of motherhood 
um, trying to separate my motherhood from my priesthood. And I was working full time in a parish and then had two kids who I felt like I never saw because they were always in daycare because I was working too much. And I just felt like I was failing at both of them. Like I wasn't fully present at work because I was always thinking about my kids. And then when I was at home, I was just thinking about like a sermon that needed to be written or a class to be created or something. And so I just felt like I wasn't giving either of them my, my best. And there wasn't a lot of scripture at home at that point. We read the David and Goliath story out of the Jesus storybook Bible, like every day for six months with my son when he was two. And that was really about it. And then when my husband took a call to Virginia to be a rector at a church there, I decided I was going to step back and not go immediately back into parish ministry and that's, I thought it would just be a summer. And then it turned out our kids were three and like almost one. And it turned out I actually really like spending time with them. And I was like genuinely surprised that we were having so much fun together. And I just started to see my priesthood in a different way. And so like I lost a baptismal font, but I gained a bathtub, like doing baths every night. And so I just started to see the water in a different sacramental way. And we started to use the church, like the liturgical year to kind of ground us because when you're at home with kids every day, it like that whole thing, like the days are long and the years are short, like the days were so long. And so we were rooting it around the liturgical year. We would create home altars that looked kind of like a Waldorf table, um, but that would ground us in, like, if it was Lent, it would be pretty bare, you know. But then as soon as Easter came, there were, like, bird's nest and flowers and, like, coloring sheets from children's chapel at church. And um, and then we slowly started incorporating um scripture into it and then using like a Jesse tree at Christmas. And then we love Legos in our house. And so using, like I would read stories to them and then they would build the stories out of Legos because hands listen better or ears listen better when hands are busy. And, um, and so now it's just kind of become second nature. Like they have the stories kind of ingrained in them. And so, um, it's all together. And so when I went back into parish ministry, I felt like I didn't have to separate. Like my motherhood like completely infused my priesthood and my priesthood has infused like how I parent to my kids, which feels like I'm giving my whole self and not just a divided self. Oh, I love that, Allison. Yeah. So that time apart really was a gift in a way, even when you weren't sure you were a better priest and a better mom. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think I needed the confidence of both my priesthood and my parenting, like to bring them together. Yeah. I can remember um, Beth Fain, who I think I've talked about before. She was my mentor and my rector when I was a curate. And I remember having a conversation with her. Um, we were at Camp Allen and, you know, I was struggling with this. My wife is a teacher. And so I do a lot of the primary parenting because teachers can't like leave to go pick up kids. Clergy have a little more flexibility. And so I was wrestling with Beth about this. And what I struck with was like, I don't want my kids to grow up hating God because their dad worked for God. And so I struggle as a priest to how do I not force this on my kids? 
but also how do I bring my kids into this? And it's a hard, for me, it's a hard balance. Maybe you've got it all figured out, but, and I think it's a struggle every day. Well, if I can give you just a little bit of encouragement, you know, my dad is a priest and I, I don't hate God. In fact, I am a priest, but my other two siblings, I think who are not priests have had some issues, of course, with the church and all, but it's been more with the church and not God. I don't feel that distance in there. Um, so I don't know if that makes either one of you feel better, but they're going to be, I think that's really important. Walker are going to be awesome. I can promise you, you know, they're going to be great. So talk to us a little bit more about the work you do with great Christian. Like let's tell people about that and we will link that. Um, as well, but yeah, I was into that and what that looks like and how scripture, you know, affects that. So grow Christian started, um, I don't even know at this point, I should know this like five years ago, six years ago. And I was brought in as a writer and started writing about saints days and feast days and how to, celebrate them at home. And so I loved it. I was not in a church working. I loved the idea that somebody was helping me connect like, you know, James of Jerusalem with my kids and talking to my younger child about what it's like to have an older child that everybody compares it to, compares you to. So I loved it. I thought it helped me fill the days, but also create a more holistic version of what it means to be a Christian. So it wasn't just about church. It was also about God and how those two don't always go together. And, uh, and then in 2018, uh, I was offered the editor job when Nuria, the creator and founding editor was leaving. And so now my job is to kind of curate the community and like find authors who want to contribute and making sure we have a diverse group and different perspectives. And what's been so interesting is that it kind of started as an Episcopal mommy blog. Like there's all sorts of Catholic blogs out there for like how to celebrate saints days with a Catholic perspective, but there aren't really that many for Episcopalians. And so it started very clearly with that. Like, if you want to celebrate Easter, here's a recipe for hot cross buns, you know, and you can do this, you know. And so now, though, we've really grown. We still have that, but we've really grown into a community that supports one another. And especially during this pandemic, where we were all isolated and kind of trapped with our kids and they weren't getting the same spiritual support in a church community because we were all at home. We just being able to read what other um, authors were going through and how they were making it or maybe how they weren't making it has been very, very life giving for me. And from what I hear, it's been helpful for other members of our community, too. Um, we try to offer some long term like, OK, you know, we've been in ordinary time forever, but hang on. Advent's coming. These are like here are a few ways to get your house and your family ready for Advent. Um, and then we'll do the same, you know, for Christmas and Epiphany, you know, start all over again. Um, so the posts come out usually about three times a week. And we are very committed to it being first person experiences. We are not 
we don't want people to just sign up and then be preached to three times a week. Like these are all about lived experiences, just trying to, um, we treat it like we're all in this together. And so the church and the Bible and God have so much to teach us. And, you know, the one hour on Sunday morning isn't enough. So we're trying to help parents foster that at home. Love that. One thing. I was going to say, I know Alan and Elizabeth have been writers for. I haven't. I haven't. Elizabeth has. Yeah. Elizabeth has a lot. And I was going to say, not that I'm jealous, um, but right. Like, like clergy, like I have a platform and I have opportunities, mm-hmm. whatever. Clergy spouses in particular uh, are sometimes lost and forgotten. Um, lay people who don't have a role in a congregation are sometimes lost and forgotten. And so what I love about it is when I see, like I know Elizabeth will tell me, hey, Allison's wanting me to write about so-and-so and so-and-so. And so she and I will talk about it, but then she'll go off in her world and she'll figure out what she has to say about it. Mm-hmm. And so for her, it's a formative thing. I think, because I think for parents, right, sometimes Sunday school is a chance for someone else to care for your kids on Sunday mornings and not so much a chance for you to go dig deep into the font of our tradition, right? Like you're not there Mm -hmm. to learn, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for her, as an author, it provides her an opportunity to study and to think and to, to connect it. And so I've seen that to where, number one, she doesn't want to come hear me teach on a Sunday morning. She would rather read, right? She'd rather read someone else or, um, and so I think the community you're building amongst the authors and, and amongst, um, the folks there, I know that at least in my family, it's been incredibly helpful. And I can imagine it's been that way for other folks, especially these last 18 months when there's been so much disconnection. I am so glad to hear that. I would say even not, I mean, I don't have a, I have a family, but my family looks different, you know, without children, Mm -hmm. but I would even for those of us that don't have children, but we have a lot of children in our lives or we have, you know, there's yes. just a lot of life giving that's come from that. Um, I was thinking about it too, Allison. Um, you've done a lot of work, um, social justice work. That is one of your passions and something mm-hmm. that you're about. Um, and I think one thing that would be interesting for me to hear from you, and I, don't, I hope I said this to you beforehand, but if I didn't, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot too much, but when we see these scripture, that scripture readings that, you know, sometimes people abuse or take them in a different context and especially around some of the social justice work. Can you kind of talk about that just a little bit or how you feel? I mean, Alan and I've talked about it a lot when we, especially when we were in Leviticus mm-hmm. um, yeah. and Deuteronomy. I mean, there was some heartache in some of that, mm-hmm. you know, but we've made the choice to walk through the entire Bible and not pick and choose what we want. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think context is so important when you're reading the Bible. And, um, so I love, I love what y'all are doing. And I think that, um, even when I've read it with my kids, like when we've done the good book club, um, through the Episcopal church, just reading the whole thing instead of snippets, or even just a passage on Sunday morning, you just get a fuller idea of what's happening and what our takeaways are supposed to be. Um, I first started um, really being pulled towards the justice issues in the Bible through Jesus. And in seminary, I I came to seminary knowing that the kind of the ways of Alabama where I was raised were not my ways. And I couldn't really articulate it. But then when I started reading the Bible, 
um, especially the gospels, I got, like, I realized this is why I was being pulled the way that I was, that Jesus wasn't telling me to be more passive. He was telling me to be more resistant to things that were unjust. And so I think we're familiar with that. But the, the, especially in the Torah and then in the Hebrew prophets, we learn so much about justice. And my Bible study at church read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, um, and then Leviticus kind of broke us. We needed, people needed a break um, before we started numbers. So we've skipped over to um, Romans and now we're in first Corinthians, but the like the idea of justice, like mishpat, the Hebrew word for it, um, you know, it comes up so much in the Old Testament, and it's all about equity, um, both in terms of what we're giving, but also in terms of how we're holding people accountable, which is such a justice issue. And so, you know, we could look at things like an eye for an eye and see it as retribution and take it completely out of context. But what we're not seeing is how that type of punishment is given to everybody in, um, in the ancient Israelite community. Like it's not based on your social status or your race or, um, you know, like every crime is treated the same which is so different than how we treat it today um, where, you know, money and status can get you out of just about anything. Um, And it also helps people with their basic human rights. Um, Like everybody is given the same care and the same protection. And it just teaches us about how we treat vulnerable people among us. You know, we see over and over again in Leviticus, like that's who God is the most concerned about, um, the defender of these people. And so I just feel really deeply that, um, that the Bible really shapes my life. And most of that is in terms of justice, because that's just what I keep hearing over and over and over again when I read, not just the gospels, but also the old Testament. Y'all, I don't know how to turn off that dinging on my computer. So Um, (laughs) I'm like sitting here trying to figure out how to do it. Um, Okay. I think more people need that. What you just Mm -hmm. said, it shapes us that wording. Like, yeah, we want to like, you know, pick what we want, but looking at it as shaping us as who we are, I think is just, phenomenal and perfect and who we should be. Like, I'm so grateful for those words. Well, and I think too, like when you're like, as y'all have been reading through the Bible with Bible love, like you've seen how faith is not a Sunday morning or it's not just like a Sabbath thing. Like the, in Leviticus, I know there are these swift and violent judgments and there are all these long winded rules, um, about like, cleansing a house and how you sacrifice things. But what we see is that it's for every part of life, like worship, all of those sacrifices, all of those gifts that are made, the offerings, it's for the entire life. Like there weren't limits 
there weren't time limits on when you go to worship God and like whether you're happy or sad or you have needs or you're grateful, like you can incorporate all of that into communal worship. And that helped them see God in all parts of their life, which is, that was one of the biggest takeaways for me when we were reading, um, Exodus and Leviticus is like, that's something that we could do much better at as modern Christians. Yes. And I, I, I mean, it, when you're even having conversations, like you, you see people that are like, I just want to talk about the gospels. I just want to talk about the new Testament. I mean, I was even having that kind of conversation with a family member the other day. And, you know, I get that. Like when I'm thinking about preaching, I often go to the gospel, you know, but I'm trying to push myself because all parts of that, we need everything. Even when we don't agree with it, even when we have a hard time with it, like we need all parts of it. I had another it question. Makes me, go ahead out. Alan. No, it makes me think. Number one, the good book club starting in Epiphany is going to be reading through Exodus. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it's the first time the good book club's been in the Hebrew Bible. I it can't is. Remember. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so number one, right, like Bible love, we need to figure out what we're going to do to support that effort. Maybe we'll go back through Exodus. But it also, there's so much of that that we shy away from. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it is. I was reminded of that. You know, I have this dog that needs to run like four or five miles a day. And so today I went a new route and I passed by this house and there was a like a yard sign in the house. It said, pray for our country. Second Chronicles 11, 7, uh, 14. Right. And I didn't immediately know Second Chronicles. But then I looked it up and it says, um, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Right? Like I, I see those signs a lot with that verse cited a lot. And I see them in um, homes that often have other types <laughs> of political signs, more on the conservative side. Right? And that it is what it is. But that's a very U.S. centric reading of like to imagine that the author of Second Chronicles was somehow saying, you know, in these many millennia away, I'm going to be writing to people who think that their world is falling apart. And then, right, like when we read Revelation, like we're always looking for the signs and, and things that are happening in the United States. It's not like we're looking at the happenings in Nigeria mm-hmm. and saying, is that a sign of the end of the world? Mm-hmm. And so I think we as Christians in the West, we as Christians in the United States, we as Christians in the South, we want to place ourselves as the focal point of whatever story we're reading. And we want to see, you know, what does this say about me and my neighborhood? What does this say about me? And right. Like versus what is, how is this trying to form me? How is this trying to shape me? Not, not so I can use it as a hammer to beat people over the head, but so that I can use it to help mold me. And so hopefully, you know, these practices that you talked about, and I wrote down some of the, the children's Bibles you referenced, you mm-hmm. know, but immersing kids in scripture, right? That's a way for parents to be immersed. That's, you know, us working systematically through every part of the Bible, including the hard parts. You know, the folks mm-hmm. we've talked about in this kind of um, intermission interview where we talk about scripture in general, they've almost to a person talked about the importance of immersing yourself in the whole story. Because when you do that, you understand what Second Chronicles is talking about, and you can figure out it's not some raw, raw, patriotic, go America thing. Right? You understand yeah. that it's a bigger thing. 
Absolutely. And so how do we find those ways to, to immerse ourselves in God's story? Yeah. Not force for me, ourselves. I think that's like for us, we, um, the times that we are best at it are during short liturgical seasons like Advent and Lent. And it's been our practice for the past probably six years to, I set my alarm earlier and get everything on the breakfast table that like whatever I just guess my kids are going to eat. And then we sit down with, um, something, either the, um, either a Bible. We really love the path storybook Bible, um, which reads more like, um, a narrative novel than like something with chapters and verses, um, or whatever our practice is for Advent. I often will create like a daily prayer service where the kids have an active role in it. And, um, and do that over breakfast because that's the meal that we share most often, not dinner. And so we can, and the kids just know that like kids love routine. And so they just know we're going to read this every day and they can roll their eyes if they want to, but the connections they start to make, like the Lent that we read through the whole path, um, book, there were just so many connections to when Jesus started quoting things from, um, Hebrew prophets they knew, like they knew who Isaiah was and they could talk about it. And so it was just, it, yeah, I think that immersion is so, so critical to really understanding the big love story of scripture that God has like, you know, it's for us, like it's God's gift to us that we don't get as much when we just hear little passages separately. Well, I'm so glad you said that. Allison, because one of my questions is going to be, and I think you've answered it. Um, so I, we threw out Sunday school here at Church of the Resurrection. Just one working, one working, one working. And so we are doing small groups. But one of our small groups on Sunday nights is parents, children, middle school, high school. They're all in their separate rooms and they're all at the same time. Okay. And they're all doing the path. Okay. So we just started last Sunday. And one of the things I heard from some of the children was, well, I already know the story of Genesis. I already know that story. I don't need to learn it again. And I, I was thinking to myself, like, how do we make this fresh for them? How do we make this? But I think you're, you kind of answered that, like that repetitiveness and that learning, even if you already do know that story, which good for them that they do, because I grew up in Episcopalian and I didn't know the story of Genesis until I was an adult, probably. So I'm glad they do. But that freshness and that like, we need that repetitiveness. We need to connect it all. Um, and you're, you're right. The path is a great thing, but some of the other kids were like, yeah, I've heard this story, but there's something I didn't learn today that, you know, I didn't know that I learned today, you know? And, um, so it's just really exciting to sort of watch all those kiddos, like getting excited about the sun and the moon and the animals. Absolutely. Yes. And, And I love the idea that you're doing that, like everyone's doing it together. So on the car ride home, they can talk about what someone learned. And in their class, it may have been different than in another class, um, what the takeaways were. Yeah, I love at the same time as the parent, like everybody comes to the church at the same time. That's, that's key too. That's awesome. Success so far. Yeah. Um, They're on Sunday mornings. I've learned that. So Let's it's good to be I'm flexible. Okay, yeah. Out the window and trying something new. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I'm, I'm really grateful for this conversation. Um, this is not somewhere we've really gone deeply, um, with families and how do we keep putting this forward, you know, um, this very important work that shapes us, like you said, that molds us. This is who we are. Um, it is, good, we, bad and ugly, yeah. you know, I mean, it is who we are. It is. We, after reading, um, one advent we had read through, I don't even remember what it was, but we decided after that Christmas, we were going to come up with a family motto and that that was going to be, the idea was that like, if they were in a tough situation, this is like idealistic parenting here. Um, if they were in a tough situation, they would like draw on our team Lyle's family motto and that would help inform their decision. And our motto came from what we were reading in scripture, that advent, like we are the Lyle's we show kindness and respect to all people at all the time, like all the time. And it was rooted in what we were seeing. Like that is, that's what Jesus does, you know? all people. He might disagree with them, but he's going to do it in a respectful way. And we like, we can disagree all the time with people that we love, but we're going to do it respectfully. And then we have this basis for it in scripture. It's awesome. Oh, Allison, you're such a gift to the world and to the church and to families. And, um, if you don't, uh, subscribe to Greg Christians, let's do make that happen. Um, it will be an important thing in your life. Um, it is in mine, and I know it's in Alan's as well. Um, I'm just so grateful you were here. Any parting words, Alan, Allison? No, I think it's okay. important to just dive in. Like, y'all have shown us, like, with the Bible, like, just dive in and start. Like, any new habit, like, it seems awkward at first, and then it just gets easier and easier. And the good thing is that you can struggle with your kids together and ask questions. And I guarantee they will see um, things differently than I already know the story. You know, you may know the story and you may have always read it the exact same way, but your kids are going to open up new ways of understanding it. Thank you, Allison, for bringing all of you, all that you brought today. It's important. And I hope you'll come back we love to I would we got a long way to. to go in the Bible. Oof. This thing's going on for a long time. So yeah. um, love to have you. And listeners, as always, we love you, but most importantly, God does. Mm-hmm.